Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's March 9th, 2021, and I'm joined by the owner of Auto Solutions, Luis Mahano. Hola. ¿Cómo estás, señor Gavin? Cool, cool. Good to have you. See, so you're rocking the uh, little ninja hat going on there, too. I am. This is the Ortus ninja hat, so it inspires me. <laughs> cool, cool. So, first, yep, first, we want to just thank Auto Solutions. Uh, you know, obviously, without them, we can't make this podcast happen. Uh, so, we appreciate all the support you guys give us. Uh, one way uh, the listeners can say thanks to Auto Solutions is by going to YouTube and liking and subscribing to these videos we release every week on YouTube. Uh, hopefully some of you are watching live. You guys can do that too. And then uh, another way you can thank Auto Solutions is by supporting CFCast, which has free uh, content every week, some paid and some free. Um, but we're releasing that content and the subscription service is really affordable. And then there's another way they can support Audis now. They can buy Audis's new book, which we'll be talking a little bit more about today. The 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks on Gumroad. So you guys can actually purchase that now. Now available. But I'll tell you a little bit about that soon as well. And then the other uh, supporter, obviously, behind this podcast is our Patreon supporters. We've got 34 amazing people supporting us now, and they're providing 73% of the funding for this podcast. So we're sneaking up there. One day it's going to be up to 100%, uh, and we'll be able to put the additional funds into all the other uh, open source stuff that Audis does. So thank Very you, exciting. everybody. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so first up in our news and events, um, we released a blog post this last week with 2021 plus Forgebox pricing and also a roadmap in there too. You want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah, definitely. Very excited about this uh, blog post. Uh, we talk about the new pricing initiatives that we wanted to bring about. Um, I think one of the, the things that we started seeing is how do we can make this really, really affordable where people... Uh, it's a no-brainer, right? And so we lowered the pricing quite considerably for everything. Um, our pro plans are only four bucks. Um, really, really cheap for people to actually get storage, uh, first-class kind of distribution of your binaries. And I think apart from the pricing is that I, I think we wanted to tell the story, right, of why as Cofusion developers, we want to use modern techniques to actually assemble our, our, our software and how to deliver our software. So we kind of created and went in depth in explaining what a Forgebox consumer is, right? Which is basically any command box installation can install two types of packages, right? Public packages, which are free and open source, and then private packages, which are obviously private, right? You need an API key, a special designation, so you can actually get access to that binary and we kind of showcase a little bit of our infrastructure where, you know, we, we host your binaries uh, securely in, in S3. We actually have replicating uh, buckets in two regions in the U.S. and also in the EU. And then we have a, a global uh, delivery network for those binaries, depending on where you actually want to install those binaries. So if you're in Europe, you're, we're delivering from the European buckets. If you are in the U.S., we're delivering from the U.S. buckets, et cetera. So... 
it's kind of that giving you access to that infrastructure, even for open source stuff to, to make it fast and make it deliverable. And then we kind of go into the differences of, okay, why is Forgebox different, right? And then we kind of explain of, you know, you have the, the granular control over your packages, the geo-distributed redundant storage, the CDN network that we provide for you, right? And the semantic versioning, I think that's a, a big one, right? If you're using Git repositories that are private or HTTPS uh, that are private, you, you don't get the full benefit because uh, you cannot work with semantic uh, version releases at that point, right? We actually have to download those full binaries and and or or do complete uh, Git clones, which are 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 not fast, right? You you know this, right, Gavin? Uh, dealing with multiple things that are pseudo private in a Git repository, I mean, uh, it it basically slows down your builds, and not only that, it, it's also vulnerability points because now you have SSH keys. Uh, that are floating around to give people access to your source code, when in reality, you don't want to give people access to your source code, right? You want to give them access to the actual final end product. Right? And so I think that having that that tier is, is really, really, really important. So we go in depth in all that and explain it. And then for publishers, you know, how you can actually publish into Forgebox, how you can actually work with collaborators on, on these packages. And, uh, and then we go into the full roadmap. So our, of course, our commitment to open source and what we're working on right now, and we're working on, on several different things right now. We're working on organizations and teams. This is something that actually internally, we're gonna have a show and tell for you guys probably next week. And uh, it's gone a long way, complete new UI and revamp for organizations, but also for normal pro accounts. We have great new stats and great new visibility points into your packages. Um, we actually finished a meeting today with with uh, Mr. Security himself, Pete uh, Freitag. Uh, so we're going to be bringing security audits, and actually, we're talking about even uh, badges for uh, passing security audits. So if a package mm. actually passes a security audit, we're going to present a badge uh, at the Forgebox level. Also, you know, talking with Brad, how at the command box level, after installations or pre-installations, we can actually give warnings to people about. You know, security risk or security audits that have found some type of of, of issue. Uh, so we we're focusing a lot on security. We're focusing a lot on organizations and multiple businesses that have multiple users, right? And code quality, right? We also talked about how to doing uh, static code analysis uh, for packages, so they can actually get a report, uh, right, of what you know if there's issues in in your source code, right? Uh, we're also after this, our big push is going to be e-commerce. So we've been wanting to do this for a long time and we're ready for it. And we're going to provide it a, a U.S. marketplace to start. And then um, we'll figure out if we, what part of a region in the U EU we're going to do next. But U.S. marketplace, uh, we have it targeted for this year. So developers, any developer, if they want to charge, you know, five cents, nine cents, whatever they want for a specific package, Right, we'll 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 take care of that. Right, we'll we'll provide the purchasing. We'll provide the automatic provisioning and licensing of those packages through Command Box. Right, uh, and that way you you know any developer can monetize any of their packages or applications or projects through Forgebox. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was I saw the blog post and thought, oh, I'll check out the pricing and just you know make sure it 
what I remembered. And then I looked through, I was like, I really like the, the little diagrams and those watching at home uh, can see that I shared the video for that as well. But uh, yeah, the roadmap and everything too. So yeah, lots of good information in that blog post. Lots of cool stuff coming to Forgebox. But as Dan Card just said in here, he's like, once he was lost in a morass of folders, of backups <laughs> of folders and final version folders. And then he finally discovered packages in Forgebox and his life was changed. So I think but, we're going to have to use that quote yeah, we might have to, Dan. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of usefulness. It's one of those things that you don't know what you're missing until you try it. And like command box, you know, like we never like command box sounded cool and everything else, but now I can't imagine my life without it. And same with Forgebox, like managing, you know, just jQuery sometimes when you don't have a build process and you're like, wait, which version do I have here? And got a copy, you know, like the old school managing packages was such a nightmare, and so. Forgebox is really good and you know having all those private features now is really really awesome so yeah definitely and and remember you know there's there's anything that's open source you know or or free you want to push out push it there and you know if you even like you mentioned jQuery and stuff like that you can still you know create packages surrounding that uh Forgebox is is really language agnostic it doesn't matter right as long as it has a box.json it'll install it so you yeah. you can put full applications as as storages and um, you can treat them as images, right? You can treat final versions of your of your of your apps uh, into Forgebox, and then you, you know you you treat it as like your CI con uh, image registry, right? So you have that potential uh, to to leverage it that way if you wanted to. Yep, for sure. I know you've been busy with that, but you've also been busy with Content Box Five. So where are we at with that? I know you're getting pretty close to a big release here. You want to tell us a bit more? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll try to see if I can put a link here to the direct download um, for it. But um, so we've been working on Content Box, uh, the next iteration, for quite some time now. And uh, we're finally ready. We've always been saying, hey, it's ready for release. But then we find more regressions. And we're like, OK, we're not ready. <laughs> so uh, at this point, we have one regression left that we need to fix. But uh, I, I, this, I would say, is one of the biggest architectural changes we've ever done for Content Box. Um, every single file has probably been changed or updated um, and optimized. I think that's a, a big thing. And um, so the major it thing or the major feature, I would say, is multi-site. So this is something that has been requested for quite some time, as you know. And we, we always were very hesitant of it until we finally you know, saw that there was an opportunity for it. And that in itself is a big, big, big feature. Uh, everything has to be automated for that. And, and we finally finalized all that. And now you're going to have the ability to have multi-site management with Content Box. We have different ways to discover sites. Um, we're going API first as well. So we have uh, lots of ways to discover, even when you're dealing with the API for multi-site. We also, when you do a, a new install of Content Box, we actually create two sites for you. We create a production and a development environment. So you can actually now have multiple environments in the same Content Box. And we've created tools within the publishing and the editing uh, UI where you can actually, uh, for example, publish to any site. So you can work on, a, on, on the local development one. And once you're ready, you can actually move it and publish it on the other site. Right? You can actually clone one or hierarchies from one site to the other. Right? So we, we, we wanted to make sure that you have that capability um, that only on one box, you could even have your development environment uh, as well. So th that's a, one of the biggest features of it. The, 
The other thing that we've been working on for content box is Postgres support. A lot of people have been asked for post support, and, and now I am happy to finally say that now all my tests are running on Postgres. We're actually going to automate it now. So we have uh, several scripts that we're working on with Abilio where uh, the entire CI process is going to test against MySQL, Postgres, and uh, Microsoft SQL, and Oracle. So Very cool. um, it's going to be all fully automated now. And, and it's, it's such a big help as to have these automations than we weren't before. And the other one, Gavin, that, that we've been, I've been slightly working on is performance. And that is, um, was a big one, especially uh, for ORM applications. And it's, it, we, we've refactored tons of things just to gain performance edges on several areas, even Colbox. And I can, in my, even in testing, so in integration testing, I can actually um, do full integration testing in under two seconds. So that loads up wow. the entire CMS, everything in under two seconds on, in Lucy and about 3.5 seconds in the, the latest Adobe release. I mean, the entire framework and the entire CMS, everything actually loads in about 1.8 seconds. So that, that's after compilation. So after anything compiled by the engine, then everything loads in 1.8 seconds. So our performance is just crazy good now, thanks to Fusion Reactor, so one of our biggest uh, uh, helpers as well. We've been, we basically have analyzed every single line of code to squeeze everything out of it. So this CMS now is lighter than ever and, and it's just incredibly faster and flexible. Very cool. So you said you're trying to get the next release candidate out here shortly. So I am working on that regression for today. It's basically about the commenting system uh, for multi-site. That's uh, the only thing that we've identified that is not uh, working uh, completely right now. So if I can get that resolved today, that that release is cut. So that's it. This is the last ticket. Uh, then we'll, we start working on documentation. So um, stay tuned. I mean, for that site uh, that I mentioned, and if you see something less than 17 hours ago, you're probably going to get the, the, the beta version. So this will be our official beta. Uh, we're calling it beta. OK, official beta coming very soon. <laughs> Cool, cool. And then, so we had a couple of questions in the chat. So David Ward was saying he was looking at the Forgebox plan. He's not entirely sure what a private package is. What it be, you know, what it be like internal packages? Is that how you would describe internal? Yeah. So, private? so consider this, David. Uh, anything that you publish in in Forgebox, if you don't, if you just make it public, right, which is the default, everybody in the world can download and install that binary. If you make it private, right? If you go actually go in your box.json and basically designate that package as private, then that uh, package is only going to be available to you. That's it with your unique API key. Okay, nobody else can install it, visualize it, search it, nothing. Okay, it, it doesn't exist for anybody except you. Now you have the potential to actually add collaborators to your package. So you can say, okay, I trust Gavin. I want Gavin to uh, be able to install this package because you also have granular control. You can say, I want Gavin to only install, but then I want to give Luis the ability to install and also publish versions with me, right? So then you're, 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 you're getting into the concept of collaborators for those private packages, right? And if you're logged in into Forgebox, you can actually search for private packages that are yours, right? You have a, a special UI designated for that. And it's completely separate, right? You can, if you have a CI process or you want to deploy this to a server, if you use your uh, API key, then you're up and running with with that private package. Yeah. 
I knew you'd say it better than I would, but uh, Dan Card did also answer that basically, yeah, public shop and F Forgebox private, they need authentication, don't shop in the search. And so that's perfect. Yeah, and example. actually, in the next version, where we, I didn't mention that in, in our, on our roadmap, but we, we finished that UI already with Javier, which is multiple API keys. So you're going to be able to register not only one API key, but multiple API keys, tag them with specific names. And also you can address them as whether it's read or read write. So you can now, Gavin, uh, create a specific API key just for CI processes that use it. So you don't cool. even have to give it write permissions to yeah. that specific API key. So you're Perfect. now going to have that capability as well. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to see you know our tools evolving over time. Obviously, as we use them more, we have more use cases, and we're finally getting to build all the things we want to do, right? So, yeah, definitely. It's, that's definitely. getting better all the time. Cool. Well, um, Audis webinar for March has been announced, and so a lot of people have been asking about Vue.js lately in the, uh, the Box Team Slack, and we have... Vue.js in my Coldbox app. So Ismarada Acevedo is going to be doing uh, a webinar and she's going to be talking about uh, how to integrate Vue into a simple Coldbox app, which ultimately demonstrate the fundamentals of Vue.js. So if you're uh, using Coldbox or, or, or not, uh, but this example will show a Coldbox app, but getting started with Vue.js. So uh, if you're thinking about maybe adding some Vue into your app, uh, sounds like a good, good session. And Ismay works in Vue a lot. Uh, she's a little shy, so she doesn't present all the time in our conferences, but she always does a great job when she does. So I'm looking forward to this one. It'll be a really good webinar. That'll be Friday, March 26th at 11 a.m. Central Time. So you guys can go and look at autosolutions.com slash event slash webinars, and you can register for that one right now. Um, someone just asked for support for View 3. I'm not sure if she's doing View 2 or View 3, to be honest. Um, I'll, we'll have to find out and try and let you guys know oh okay yeah I, th I think it'll be on view two but maybe the question was if we support view three oh. and i think for us it doesn't really matter right yeah so but um i'm curious too because i haven't done as much with view three i haven't migrated all my apps yet so uh i'll see if she is doing view two or view three and if i remember i'll let you guys know next time i remind you about that we also have an online CF meetup coming up here soon um, with an online CF meetup with Charlie Earhart. And the session is going to be by David Byers uh, doing a Cold Fusion 101 intro for beginners, devs, decision makers, and CEOs. So probably everyone listening here has probably got a good understanding of Cold Fusion and, and everything. But uh, this session might be for some of those people that you know that needs to know a little bit more about it. So maybe you've got manager or something else. Uh, and so basically this is uh, an intro session. Get you know, it's basically targeted towards new developers or business owners who have little to no knowledge on Cold Fusion. So yeah. that one is going to be available on meetup.com. And I'm sharing the link in the show notes right now. Actually, I don't think Vue.js 3 has been released. It hasn't? No, nope. I, I don't. The, the latest stable I see in GitHub is 2.6.11. Oh, well, so many people have been talking about it and doing videos about it. I just assumed it was stable. Um, no, not from what I can see. Interesting. On GitHub. Well, the yeah, next webinar we have. Oh, interesting. So we also have another webinar coming up here on March 25th um, by the Fusion Reactor team. As we said, we love Fusion Reactor. It really helps to problem solve, but also to optimize, like you said, and 
really getting that performance too. So uh, their session is going to be, what are the five things you should always check before you release your application? And so Mikey from the team is going to be doing that webinar and I'm putting the link up right now so you guys can see the blog post. Anyone in the chat can click that or check it out in the show notes. But March 25th at 9.30 Pacific. Okay, so next up, we've been talking about this a little bit on and off over the last few weeks, but uh, your new book, 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks, is now available for purchase. So it's up on Gumroad. And I know you guys put a lot of time and effort into this, so it's finally ready for, for everyone to consume, huh? Woohoo! Here, we'll put the link. Yep. So, uh, it's definitely a, a good system. I mean, it, the good thing is, too, is inside that book, it's not just Coldbox. You know, it's Coldbox-related things, too. So I know there's stuff on Cashbox and Logbox and, and a lot of the other Coldboxes, right, Luis? So, Testbox and, <laughs> and everything. Yeah, so we're this is the direct site to actually purchase um, the product right now. But we are working on an update to the Orta site. We're working on a new book section that we're that looks really fantastic, and uh, every book is going to have a nice landing page, and you're you're going to be able to see all the tips there. So we've actually made it where you can actually see all the 102 tips, so you can get a, a grasp and idea of what is included in the book. Uh, there's also uh, free 10 tips. So you can actually just register and we'll send you uh, 10 tips for free. Uh, that's going to be coming soon. And this, this week, we actually did a merge request this morning. So hopefully, uh, either by the end of the day today or tomorrow, uh, we can publish that as well, maybe in the show notes, Kevin. But uh, yeah, definitely, I, I wanted to take a look at it from a perspective of developing in in, in a Coldbox HMBC application, which you touch many of the other boxes. So. Uh, I talk about command box, uh, lots of tips and tricks for command box at the CI level. Uh, many uh, with test box and testing and mocking. We also go in depth in some wire box specific things for object mapping and domain modeling and log box as well for different types of logging mechanisms and cache box uh, ability for you to actually do different types of caching from your application. So those would apply even if you're not using cold box. Uh, you can apply them uh, as standalone applications. I also do, do uh, several tips on the new async manager and asynchronous processing. So mm -hmm. that is also going to be helpful for folks that want to get into asynchronous programming and parallel programming. Yeah, I really like the style too, more of a cookbooky style. You know, obviously the the tips are are obviously going to be great, but I like it when, you know, reading documentation, sometimes it doesn't come across quite the same way, you know, so having something like this, which is compiled down, it's just much better for consumption. So very yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. And, and my intent is also to have the, 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 the CFCAF series for it. So cool. we're going to hopefully have 102 videos, uh, right? So you can actually see me code those 102 tips as well, and, and that will be hopefully available in you know a couple months. But as we start recording them, that's very cool. Yeah, I didn't know about the video series. See, even I learn on the CFMound News podcast. <laughs> cool. Well, just a reminder too that uh, we have started our Autist community website. So if you guys are looking for you know help or, or whatnot, uh, Slack is still available through the Box Team Slack channel. Um, but uh, the Autist community is a thriving new site. And so I just want to remind you that it's available and I'll quickly share my screen for those who are watching. Um, but yeah, it's seen some good pickup and we've migrated all the Google groups in here and you can see 8,579 topics right now. It's kind of crazy. 
So, uh, but you'll see like some pretty good recent latest posts in here as well. A lot of faces that you might recognize, uh, some new ones that you don't, but, uh, everyone who is in the Google groups have been imported over and everything. So a lot of good content. So that's community.autosolutions.com. So just a reminder that's new and out there. And if you go to the Google groups, uh, they may look a little dead, uh, jump over to the new ones. Okay. So next up we have a little update on CFCAS. And this week we had some new content in the command box zero to hero workshop. So we had two videos on task runners. Brad talked so long about task runners. We had to break it up. So we have task runners part one and task runners part two. And to be honest, he could probably do a whole workshop on task runners alone. And I think he has in the past. So, so um, he's doing some funky stuff with task runners. So I, I would, we need to talk to him to do more, some more content there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like we're rebuilding half our build process to just use task runners now. I mean, we're not using, yeah. you know, traditional build processes at all. We're using task runners everywhere. It's, it's really cool. And command box gives you a lot of cool features that, you know, built right into it that make task runners and CLI output super easy. So, and then, uh, of course we have more command box zero hero videos coming up and we usually release on Wednesday. So if you want new content, check it out tomorrow and we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about it next week. And that is cfcast.com. And don't forget if you've got, um, Oh, Will just posted, Brad could do a whole workshop just on the bullet train. <laughs> That's for sure. He sure could. Brad can talk about anything for at least a day. As long as you provide him <laughs> snacks to keep him going. Yeah, I think, I think Will is nice with the, with the bullet train. <laughs> oh, too funny. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about conferences and training. So the next uh, conference coming up is our ViewConf conference and that's going to be online free and virtual uh there was swag for the first 500 registrations but i missed out i i registered really quickly but i didn't know there was a link you had to go click to go claim your swag so i missed out by the time i finally read the email oh. so no swag for you missed on the on the view swag man yeah it's pretty sad but it's okay they're gonna have a day full of content they have live video and chat uh, QA with speakers. They're going to have attendee lightning talks, a live DJ, Luis, and a virtual Ooh. party. So we talked about doing a virtual happy box. So uh, party, they, yeah, yeah. they have a DJ as well, which is pretty neat. So we might have to step up oh. our game. Just to, I know, man. We'll, I know. We'll, we'll attend and uh, get some get some ideas for uh, into the box later in this year. So if you want to register for that, it's viewconf.us. And it, as I mentioned, it's free April 14th. So it's coming up pretty quick here, about a month away. Very quick, yes. And then Redis Conf 2021. That's another virtual conference. It's going to be a two-day conference in April 20th and 21st. Um, they haven't released a lot of details on it yet, um, but if you go to RedisLabs.com slash RedisConf, you can find out a little bit more about it. I know that the call for speakers ended about two or three weeks ago, and I haven't seen uh, the session list, but have they got it yet? Nope, mm, it's not quite. It's not yeah not quite registered but i don't see it yeah and they say if they if you register obviously they'll send you updates as they go um so and then the next one up we have DockerCon may 27th and that's going to be free and online as well and you can register right now at DockerCon. sorry docker.com slash DockerCon. Um, so fill that out uh 
And they have some sponsorship availabilities, everything as well. And they used to do workshops. I'm not sure if they're doing workshops. I know that um, ViewConf is going to be doing workshops, online workshops. Yeah. So we'll find out more about. I think you have to pay for those, though, right? Yeah. I think the workshops you pay for. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. But um, so DockerCon is coming up in May, and then after that, we'll be having Into the Box in September. And I think that call for speakers is coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah. So I think the Probably April, May, or something like that. We'll start doing our, our call for speakers. Uh, yeah. Here, yeah. Yep. Checking my notes here, but uh, yeah. So unfortunately, we're gonna have to do it virtual. I think that we don't want to venture out and bring everybody in, even though people could be halfway. Matches, but we'll just have to wait another another year. Yeah. So that will be September 2021. And then we have Into the Box Latam still scheduled for December. Um, so we'll tell you more about that as we get that planned out as well. Yep. But we have some Autist workshops as well. And this week, March 11th and 12th, if you haven't signed up already, sign up right now. It's filling up pretty quick, actually, because um, the workshop is on quick. <laughs> so Eric Peterson's <laughs> going to be uh, doing that workshop. Um, and quick is a pretty awesome uh, ORM that... Eric built and uh, the Autist team has helped make into a really nice product and I'm using it on a several projects now and I, I love it. Uh, I know that uh, Content Box is still running on Hibernate, but uh, I really can't wait till we re-architect that to run on Quick one day. But uh, So that workshop uh, is available. There's a registration link on Eventbrite or if you go to autosolutions.com, there's actually the, the workshop details there as well. So I'm sharing that in the chat for anyone who hasn't registered. Um, get that information uh, registered as soon as possible. I know that we got uh, a few of the oldest people that haven't used Quick in projects uh, attending that workshop as well. So uh, it's going to be great. Okay. We also have a couple more workshops coming up soon. Command Box Zero to Hero, Call Box Zero to Hero, and Call Box Hero to Superhero. Uh, we'll let you know as soon as we have dates for that. So um, I know we're just trying to plan them around uh, everybody's schedule and trying to figure out uh, how to avoid summertime because that's always a bad time for workshops. <laughs> that's true. Okay. So let's get into blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we have a couple more blogs from uh, Ben Adele in his very, very long series on using <laughs> ColdFusion custom tags to create an HTML, email, DSL, and Lucy. Uh, and so he released, epi- uh, sorry, episode... <laughs> blog 12 and 13 this week so um the first one is dealing with a little more um about margins formalizing margins on block level entities and then the next one number 13 was dealing with font weights and i guess in a lot of email providers they don't do too much font weights you sort of got 400 and 700 font weights um, for bolds but anything less than 600 they don't even show as bold and so Long story short, if you're doing email um, <laughs> emails, check out Ben's series. He really dives into a lot of detail on all of that stuff. Uh, and the too long didn't read is, it's really, really difficult. So don't do it unless you have to, because <laughs> everything is, is so hard with that. And there's a few tools out there that are making life easy. Um, and yeah, he mentions Litmus. And I know he, I think he even dived into a couple other tools. And we're using one of them on uh, CFCast as well uh-huh. to make our life easier there. So, but yeah, so two more emails on that series. We won't go too into it because, uh, you know, if you want to dive into it, he's got 13 blog posts to read about it. 
But uh, one of the ones he did do, though, was uh, killing slow MySQL queries in an emergency in Lucy. And so this one was pretty, pretty neat. Um, so basically, they switched over to AWS. And when they did so, um, they upgraded um, the MySQL versions. But what they found was um, if you have an, an in ID list clause, uh, some of their users have 40,000 projects. And so when they did some queries and the ID in had 40,000 entries, um, it yeah. could pretty much kill their machine. So one thing I found really interesting, I'm not sure if you've run into this or not, uh, Luis, but he basically started killing uh, queries manually. But before he did that, he added a timeout to a sea of query. But for some reason, in Lucy, that didn't actually kill the queries. They just kept running, even though um, it worked in Adobe Cold Fusion. So I don't know if that's something that Lucy, it's a bug, or because the timeouts yeah. weren't working in Lucy. I mean, Brad knows a lot more of this than me. I dived into the, the whole you know JDBC pool handling that Lucy does. But there, I know that there's several issues, and I know there's several uh, kind of experimental features on it to actually be able to actually kill those threads because... Um, uh, there, there, I know that there were several issues with, with this JDBC connection pool in Lucy. So um, we're probably going to have to defer to Brad to talk about it in the next session. Okay. But yeah, I've seen it where even if you put a timeout, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so just right. something to be aware of. You know, if you guys are using timeouts and think that they're working, they may not be in Lucy and just you want to, as usual, use Fusion Reactor or something like that to really check it. Um, so in this blog post, he uses a, a processless gateway CFC that actually gives them access to the MySQL process list. And so mm -hmm. he sort of walks through this and, and finds out more about it, um, which is, it's a pretty neat blog post. The next one in the series, which we'll show you here in a second, he actually goes about trying to solve it and, and fix it. And I really like those types of, you know, blog posts where they had a problem, mm -hmm. they look at possible solutions, then they actually do something and, and fix it. Right. And, uh, as he mentioned, though, it's not the perfect fix. It's not the perfect solution. But, you know, with most engineering decisions, you got to figure out, okay, how much time should we devote into making this more performant? Um, and so this one here, he worked with another engineer and, and tried to basically take this little bottleneck that you can see in the picture for those watching uh, at 100% for hours and how to get it more performant. Um, he says, obviously, it was hard to hard to debug because it was only a few users that had those lists of IDs that were, you know, huge, but actually caused the problem. Um, but he talked about how he, how he tried to change it um, and how he sort of manipulated his code to sort of, you know, take his scenario from a catastrophic one to a poor user experience for those bad users. Um, and so he uses feature flags and it's a really good uh, blog post walking through that. So uh, I'll let you guys, dive into that deeper on your own but i really enjoyed it and uh, he did definitely make a, a big difference and on twitter looks like a lot of people are interested in the results so i uh, really appreciate you know sharing that ben and yeah i like those war stories with a good ending so you know that's where you learn learn tips and tricks but yeah i mean id list i mean that's a pretty common thing too like you know that's a common way to to deal with yeah. that thing like permissions and stuff to see I would be curious to see if, like, what is the reasoning behind going to the database all the time? You know, uh, why not introduce also a caching layer where you don't have to be, you know, retrieving all the projects with that huge ID list, but do it once and then put it into a nice cache where you can have it immediately, right? Yeah, I mean, so, he may have been doing that, but I know one of the queries was taking an hour. 
you know, he got it down from like an hour down to 50 seconds, you know, just by making some changes. Obviously that was for an extreme case, but, um, but yeah, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just gotta, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, we also mentioned that Audis, uh blog post on the Forgebox pricing earlier, so we'll leave that be. But um, the next one up, we have a podcast from the Working Code podcast. So this is Ben Adele's, um podcast with um, Tim, Carol, and Adam. And so this week they're talking about idiomatic code. So this is kind of an interesting one because uh, as a framework creator, we have the whole thing of like giving people flexibility versus giving people the right way to do things, you know? And I know a lot of people love rails, right? Because it, you just did it th that way. And that was the way you did things. And people like that. Um, yeah. but sometimes we get, you know, people don't like being told how to do things. Um, but sometimes people want, you know, a lot of times we get asked, you know, how, how would you do this? And we're like, well, you can do this or this or this. And like, no, how would you do it? Like they want us to tell them so they don't have to think about it, you know, but other times people like to do things their way. And so, yeah, this, this podcast, they talk about that, you know, and basically getting, looking at the difference between the right way and maybe a better way, you know, like the whole best practice, better practice thing. And, uh, so, yeah, so that was a, it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. That's a definitely interesting topic, especially, you know, building frameworks, you know, for, more than 15 years now you know you always get into this and 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 sometimes as you know me now you have to make those decisions right and it's like you know what we'll, we'll just do the opinionated route for now and and then you see how it plays out and then later if people you know complain too much right then you start offering some flexibility about it but i think that um especially with the you know up building all these these tools i think it's sometimes uh, good to start opinionated right uh, it's good to just have one pathway that you can actually support how it, it works. And then later on, you start adding more flexibility and flexible endpoints uh, to that software so it can start adapting to multiple personalities, you know, kind of software becomes a personality as well. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's funny, like everyone wants their flexibility and, you know, in Cold Fusion, we're used to doing it our own way because you can do it any way you want and it gets done. Um, but as Ben said, that leads to a kind of beautiful chaos sometimes where, um, you know, the standards maybe we get put aside and yeah. So it's definitely an interesting conversation and, and they're really talking about some pretty interesting stuff on this podcast. So, you know, they're, they're diving to, to different things and quite often Adam Tuttle, uh, you know, reaches out and discusses things on Twitter too, uh, with yeah. know Adam Cameron and Adam Tuttle were talking about this one the other day. Uh, Adam Cameron was giving his opinions on that. So, so yeah, but, uh, yeah. I saw the and heard about the testing one, so I, yeah, I know but, I have my opinion yeah. on that one. And that's the thing, Adam's a, a big proponent of testing and you know, so it's very different to see all the different you know, perspectives on that too. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure. very biased. You know, obviously building a testing framework, right? I'm gonna be very biased. Yep. <laughs> I'm doing a, a new project right now where I'm doing all the setup, so doing all the test setup and everything and so it's really fun. I actually like doing that you know yeah so i think just, one of the mis mis misconceptions about testing is that people feel that it's going to take them more time but it is a total lie it is a lie you know it, it's not i mean if you when you once you know the tools and you have the approach down 
it actually makes you faster. I mean, that's how really we can produce so much stuff because we have confidence that everything that we do actually works. Right. Yeah. And, and you only get that when you're doing things either with a behavior driven approach or a test driven approach. But, uh, you know, I think that the, the whole thing about it's going to take me longer. It, it, for me, it's a complete lie. Right. Yeah. It's not, it, it never is. It's, it's just me, you telling me that you don't know the tools. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why you think that it's going to take you more time. Yeah. When you're learning anything, it takes you more time, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like just whenever I build a function, you know, I'm thinking about those edge cases as I go, if I sort of spec them out, a lot of times I'll make comments above it, telling it what the edge cases are. Instead of doing that, I can make tests for those edge cases and then I can actually make sure it works and I can run my tests. And sometimes it's really hard to actually test your code in the browser, clicking around and getting those different, you know, scenarios, it's but it's I mean, there's easy multiple scenarios for these things. You know, there's have to be in memory to be in place, you know, all day. And then, and then the, the other problem is that how do you replicate that where so it's automated, right? Where yeah. I don't have to do that manually, right? Every time I do a code change, I want things to go off and then inform me if you know this actually introduced a regression or introduced a bug. So you know, you will never get that if, if you don't have an automated test suite. It's just impossible, right? It, it's just impossible. And the amount of work and maintenance that occurs because you don't have that. It's you might not realize how big it is, but if you actually make numbers and you actually put the amount of time that you spend on regressions and actually solving these edge cases, and you know if it appears again and testing manually, you will see that it is way out of proportion if you would have made the investment of automation. Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience and it takes time, but yeah, you definitely save in the long run. So. Okay, we also have a tweet here from James Moberg. And so this one here, he's talking about um, discover the hard way that get column names will return the same case if the query is created within ColdFusion, but SQL-based columns are returned all uppercase. So if you want mixed case for your query column names, you have an option to get the metadata get column labels with Adobe CF, or if you use uh, column array with Lucy, you can get the, the case, um, the mixed case column names that you'd like so just a little a note there so oh yeah i've been definitely bitten by that one for sure especially yeah. with data boss when we're building you know heavy you know metadata driven applications and in adobe you know you really at least that you get all this so yeah i've been definitely bitten by that one yep okay so we also had a couple of comments we'll check those out real quick and so charlie was talking about the the query timeout issue that we mentioned he says it's yep. not limited to lucy it can also happen with adobe cf as well that's it adobe cf's drivers offer a timeout in the dsn that can help you if you need to override that query timeout because sometimes the query timeout does not work and then zach said that breaking news uh, lucy 6 will be using the apache commons data source pools so that's a, a pretty big change there uh, I'm not sure uh, all the benefits there. I think Brad mentioned before that they, they were moving to that, and he knows a lot more about that than I do, what the differences yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, Lucy basically created their own uh, con connection pooling for data sources, right? Uh, there was nothing at the time when Misha created this. So in all reality, Misha's, Misha's source for this was way advanced than anything out there at the time. But obviously things change, you know, and instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, they're using, you know, a published and a known product that deals with data source pooling, and uh, it's very flexible as well. I, I know it, 
and um, using that is is just beneficial. You know, instead of maintaining your own source oh, yeah. or something that is very hard, just re, you know they're going to reuse it and then extend them. Yeah, there's no point in reinventing the wheel when someone else has spent a lot of time doing it. The beauty of open source, right? Yes. And then uh, Charlie also said it's um, sometimes the only way to kill a query uh, is to kill it in the database itself if CF hung on it. You know, so just an adding into his other comment. And then uh, Dan had another uh, special quote for us there. If you don't have the time to do something, you certainly don't have time to do it twice. And that is so true, right? Everyone's like, I don't have time to test. It's like, well, then you're going to be spending twice as much time trying to fix that bug later. So Mm -hmm. for sure. Yes, totally agree with that. Yep. Okay. So next up, we have some job opportunities. So if we check out getcfmljobs.com, which is the cold fusion generated and powered site. And we see a one more uh, developer at remote position in the United States released on the fourth. You see quite a few job postings though, over the last uh, month or two here, 53 since the start of the year, I believe. So uh, quite a lot of job postings here. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at getcfmiljobs.com. Sorry, at getcfmiljobs. And you'll see them pop up in your Twitter feed as well. So let's see what this remote job is here. Looks like it's working for Cat Technologies. Um, Eastern time is uh, the preferable. It's a three month, could extend. So it's a short term contract that we're looking for. Somebody with at least four plus years of experience. So a pretty good, interesting mix of uh, requirements there as well. So pretty good. Okay, so remember, if you have a job, you can also post it on getcfmodjobs.com as well. There's a free posting there, so if you're looking for someone, you can do that too. And let us know as well, and we can uh, throw it up here on the in the podcast. Okay, so next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. And this one was just updated yesterday. And we, we have spotlighted this one before, but it's been a while. So we're going to talk about Quick 4.2.4. So... Uh, Basically, Quick is an object relational mapper written in CFML for CFML. It provides active record implementation for your uh, your database. It can also map database tables to components, create relationship between components, query, manipulate data, and persist all your changes to the database. And basically, it was built because of all the frustrations dealing with stuff like Hibernate. <laughs> so I know we've used Hibernate a lot, but uh, you as the probably the biggest user of Hibernate over the years. What do you think about Quick? For me, it was, it was important to have options, right? I think that um, especially when it comes down to the ORM, we're at the mercy of what Adobe does and what Lucy does. So uh, for us, it was very important to have our own kind of project as well that we could dictate uh, a lot better than we can with with you know with 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 Adobe basically and Lucy. And un- unfortunately. Even if we try to wrap Hibernate in, we still wouldn't be able to do it because then we would need to do, you know, the manipulations that they do at the at the source level, right? So, uh, so the the choice was to start from scratch using, you know, the abstraction layer that we have. So for us, it's important to support both, right? Uh, and and it can, they kind of feed off each other, obviously, as well. And you know, I think Eric has done a fantastic job. It has gone through its paces now. There's a lot of production applications that we have now uh, that use Quick. So I think it, it would be a ma- it, just like with frameworks, you know, it's a matter of, of taste and choice of what you like and what approach you like the best. 
but it's it's definitely gotten a lot more mature than when we started this and it's it's ready for prime time it's been through its paces and it's it's, it's really good it's really good but yep. like i said we'll 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 definitely support both approaches for sure yep and then you can see here listed on the getting started page there's support for oracle grammar ms sql postgres and mysql so i know a lot of the community members that have jumped on early really quick and sam Knowlton's done a lot of work with it and there's a lot of other people that i don't know their names of and i apologize but uh you know that have stepped up and you know help with a lot of debugging and uh really helping eric fine-tune this and there's a really active channel on the box team uh, chat as well for uh for quick and a lot of good questions and answers and eric is johnny on the spot on that channel for sure he's like brad you know you just say quick and it he's there uh, <laughs> he's there yeah. <laughs> like beetle <laughs> yeah exactly and so um it's uh really good but yeah it's nice that it's supporting like all of those different grammars and it's really well architected and it's really nice to work with it is a little different but once you get used to it it's really nice and uh really really definitely enjoy it and it's the good thing is it's not that invasive you know like hibernate you need to do so much work to get them up and running with your system and with quick, you just add a couple little things to your normal object, and now it's a quick object, and you get all those benefits without all the headaches. So, um, you know, even if you're doing old school stuff, uh, I think quick could really be a, a big plus for you. And of course, we have that workshop this week. Um, so the quick workshop is going on this week as well, and it's uh, it's really it's pretty neat. So I'm hoping uh, yeah, more people pick it up, and it's only going to get better and better. So. Yeah, definitely. I see Will's question about Lucy doesn't take CFORM serious. So uh, I agree. So just so I, don't, I know that that's that uh, this is something that we have done. So we have actually sponsored the upgrade for Hibernate on Lucy. So it, they are working on this. We actually sponsored them in, in December. So we're probably going to have a, a new Hibernate extension for Lucy based on uh, the latest Hibernate, which is 5.4. So we're just waiting mm -hmm. for them to give us the go ahead so we can actually run them through our paces and through the CBORM suites. But Hibernate 5.4 uh, for Lucy should be should be on the horizon since we made that sponsorship to Lucy. Oh, so maybe in Lucy 6 we'll see that? Maybe. Hopefully. maybe. Well, it's an extension, so it really doesn't matter. Oh, right? I, I don't think he had to change anything in the core. Uh, I will have to verify that with Misha, but... Uh, as of now, the, the, all the work is contained within the extension itself. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, the, with Lucy, the extensions, you know, like you can download whichever version of, of the extension you need and plug it in. True plug and play, yeah, right? Definitely. So, so. so, yeah, we got to notice that they're almost in their final processes. So we sent another mail today just to make sure where, where we stand. But hopefully either this month or, or next we'll have that extension uh, completed. Very cool, and that, that's one of the cool things about open source like that. We can sponsor sponsor an upgrade and get that in there. You know, it's it's hard to do in some some proprietary worlds for sure. So, very very cool. So next up, we have our VS Code hence tips and tricks of the week, and this one I thought you might like, Luis. Um, it's called Better Align, and so I'm going to share my screen here for those watching. But basically, oh, yeah. it allows you to uh, place your cursor in your code, anywhere in the code you want it to be aligned. And then you can basically run the align command via the command palette. And then it'll automatically align all the code in that block. So they oh, have yeah. like the. I use <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, cool. Like this extension, yeah. Yeah, and so this one makes it really my, easy to, to format. My pickiness on the formatting, yeah. 
yeah, because, uh, you know, some people like formatting a certain way, and this makes it really easy whether you do selections or just click anywhere in that block. Just, you know, a lot of times it's kind of annoying to have to grab each block and format it a certain way. But uh, there's some nice shortcuts set up in there and, you know, parameters and extension options so you can figure out what type you want. So, so yeah. And actually, I think James Moberg uses this one. I think I picked it up from one of his tweets. And so, so that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this one has got almost... 225,000 installs. It's pretty well rated, but uh, I'm definitely going to be adding this. Yeah, to I love that extension. Really awesome extension. Very cool. You know, I like how some of these extensions are just tiny little things, but they just all add up to a better developer life, right? For sure. Okay. So we have a, a Charlie comment in here too. ORM fans should check out the great resources from Vlad Mikalcia. <laughs> blog book newsletter courses with lots of great tips on hibernate and more and uh of course luis you already know who he is don't you <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah i love that guy yeah he has great trainings great uh very straightforward stuff right um on how to work with with hibernate and jpa so yeah there's there's tons of stuff that he does and stuff so very very good stuff cool cool Okay, so next up, um, we're at the end of our show where we like to thank our Patreon supporters. We want to thank our newest supporter, Jonathan Perret or Perret. <laughs> Don't know if there's. A, yeah. I'm gonna say Perret. Yeah, he's a yeah. fellow Houstonian, so here's oh. here in Houston. Yes. Very cool. So um, obviously they're supporting the the podcast by being a Patreon supporter for Order Solutions, but they're also supporting other great tools that we create that are open source, like Command Box, Forge Box, Code Box, Content Box, Test Box, and a lot of the other open source projects we have, um, including the Forge Box um, and package management, you know, cloud infrastructure too. So, um, but we are stealing a good chunk of that for the podcast here because uh, we're trying to keep this out, and we think it's important to be able to share this news. Uh, for the community. And then, uh, obviously, last time you were on the show, we talked about those awesome perks that we now have with uh, being a Patreon supporter. So, Bron packages and up now get that Forgebox Pro account and that CFCast subscription as a perk for their Patreon subscription. And uh, on our private, on our community website, they also have that private uh, forum access. So, basically, all the Patreon supporters can have their own little private forum, get a little special attention for their you know, patronage. And then we have the Patreon supporters have a profile badge on the community website too. So uh, you get a little extra recognition for, uh, you know, spending your hard-earned money to help the, the Auto Solution open source and podcasts. So pretty cool. And if you want to find out more about that, go to patreon.com slash autosolutions and you can get uh, information on all the different ways, you know. I think we have a package starting at just $10 a month. So if you guys want to, you know, give back, um, you know, go ahead and do that. And I think the bronze packages are $50 a month up, but $50 you get, you know, CF car subscription and a Forgebox Pro subscription. So not only are you, uh, you know, helping us out, but you also get a couple of cool subscriptions too. So very cool. Oh, Scott's given us the JMES path update that, uh, he's been doing so he's got almost all of the tests passing so brad will have to be back next week and we can talk about this awesome thing that scott's been working on for a command block so all right, cool. um, 
Yep. Okay. Well, do we want to have uh, you read the Patreons Luis and get a little flair for the names? <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's go all Latino on them. Right? <laughs> all right. So thank you to Mr. Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Paul Belanger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Mr. JC, Jonathan Perret, Mario Rodriguez, John Wilson, Yogesh Matur, Joseph Lamry, Ben Nadal, Brett DeLan, Carl von Steven, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Didier Lesniki, Edgar Cabeza, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxmat Tirohadi, Leon Scremelis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, and Stephen Plotz. Awesome. So thank I butchered you. all of them. <laughs> very nice. But you did it very well. You have that little Latin flair. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so thanks everybody for supporting us. Again, if you want to find out more about becoming a Patreon sponsor yourself, you can go to patreon.com slash autosolutions. And then we have a link in our show notes. Uh, and I'll share it in the chat for more information on our sponsors and you can see some of our commercial sponsors as well. So we really appreciate each and every one of you and, uh, and those who are also supporting us in other ways, you know, tickets, issues, comments, documentation, pull requests, it all helps. Um, but going the extra mile, with your hard earned cash, uh, you get a, a little, little extra thank you from us. So, yes, definitely. I want to thank Bill, Bill the Bruin, because he's been helping us with lots of modules. Uh, from CB validation to localization, so to ORM. So I just want to thank Bill publicly because he's been doing an amazing job. I've dropped the ball several times because of my time issues, but uh, I just want to thank Bill because he's doing excellent. We're doing the CB validation update right now and just want to thank him publicly. Yeah, no, there's a lot of community members that really step up and, and do a lot. And we try and thank you all, but I know sometimes we forget and but. Don't worry. We're really appreciative and yeah, we, we couldn't do it without you guys. So, okay. Well, thank you, Luis, for joining me today and everyone watching and listening and you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week. That's yes. All right. See you later, Gavin. Ciao. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.